Zeke, thanks for coming. Merry Christmas. Good to have you here. This is one of our favorite traditions, I guess you could call it, to gather for Christmas Eve for whoever can come and uh, would like to come, and so we're grateful you can be here tonight. Um, uh, one announcement that I have for you, well, actually, I'll give you three. One's housekeeping. At the end, we are going to do a candle lighting, and so if you didn't get a candle, you didn't happen to grab one, they're out in the lobby, just grab one out there, and then at the end, we'll do a candle lighting where I'll start up here and work our way to the back. The other thing is, immediately after the service, if you are able and if you are interested, we are going to leave from here, and in, uh, I guess it's considered Warminster, but it's just off of County Line Road, is where Tilly lives, and, uh, and she is a 90-year-old, dear, sweet woman that is part of our church, and because of COVID stuff and just uh, where she's at in life in Arkansas, she hasn't been out of her house because of doctor's appointments well over a year. So we, uh, we call her often, she doesn't have the internet, and uh, so she is part of our church as often as she can be, and uh, we want to take uh, a blessing to her tonight. So right after the service, whoever can, uh, come with us, and we're going to go to Tilly's front yard and just sing a couple Christmas carols for her and, uh, and give her a fruit basket. And so if you're able to join us in that, we'd love to have you. If not, no guilt, no, uh, no obligation, but if you can and want to, we'd love to have you. If you can't. Uh, then uh, Merry Christmas anyway, and we'll hopefully get some pictures and stuff. Um, so uh, let me pray for our time of worship together, and then uh, there's going to be a liturgy read on the screen. I'll give you one other quick thing. I know I said two. I lied. Uh, I'll apologize for that later. <laughs> but uh, the color on the screen, you'll notice, is a little off, and that's because we need a new computer, and we didn't get it yet. And, uh, and so uh, you'll notice that we know that, we know that the color's off, there's nothing wrong with the vision. Uh, maybe there is, but if you see it just because the color's off, uh, that's, uh, that's what explains that. And so um, let me pray, and then uh, a friend of ours is going to be reading a liturgy prayer for us. Man, what an awesome thing it is, God, to be able to come together and worship, prepare our hearts for the beauty of Christmas. And I know in some way, shape, or form, we've all been getting ready already. Our houses are ready, or Whatever it is we need to do yet to make ourselves ready for the traditions and the fun things that we have planned every year at Christmas. But this time, right here, we want to set aside to prepare our hearts. And what a beautiful thing Christmas is. All the things, all the parts of it. But what we're going to celebrate tonight, that's the best. That's the best of it all. And I pray that you make that real in our hearts all the more. God, thank you for who you are. Pray that our hearts are ready to just uh, worship together and meet with you here tonight. Amen. Good evening, Jersey Church. I'm so glad to join you tonight for Christmas Eve um, from the big island of Hawaii. I'm pleased to be able to join you. As we prepare our house for the coming Christmas season, we would also prepare our hearts for the returning Christ. You came once for your people, and you will come again. Though there was no room at the inn to receive you upon your first arrival, we prepare you a room here in our hearts and in our homes with Christ. As we decorate and celebrate, we do so to mark the memory of your redemptive movement into our broken world. 
our glittering ornaments and Christmas trees, our festive carols, our sumptuous feasts. By these small tokens, we affirm that something amazing has happened in time and space, that on a particular night in a particular place so many years ago, an infant king was born to us, our Prince of Peace. Our wreaths and ribbons and colored lights, our giving of gifts, and our parties with friends, these have never been the ends in themselves. They are but small ways in which we repeat that sounding joy first proclaimed by the angels in the sky near Bethlehem. <coughs> in view of such great tidings of love announced to us and all people, how can we not be moved to praise and celebrate them in this Christmas season? As we decorate our tree, and as we feast and laugh and sing together, we are rehearsing for our coming joy. We are making ready to receive the one who has already, with open arms, received us. We prepare you room here in our hearts and in our homes, Lord Jesus. Now we celebrate your first coming, Emmanuel, even as we long for your return. O Prince of Peace, return soon. We miss you. And I miss all of you.
if you'd like to come up closer and sit on the floor, you can, or you can stay right where you are. Precious night, God kept his Christmas promise. Would you like to know how he did it? Well, the story starts with an angel. He came from God to see Mary. The angel had a special message. Mary, you're going to have a baby. It will be a special baby. God promises that your baby is going to be a king. Not for a little time, but forever and ever. He will be the forever king. Mary was going to marry Joseph, so, so God sent another angel. He came to see Joseph. The angel had a special message. Mary is going to have a very special baby. The angel said to Joseph, her baby is going to be a king, and he will rescue his people. He will be a rescuing king. God had promised that his, his new king would be born in a little city called Bethlehem. And that's where Mary and Joseph went. But Bethlehem was very busy lots and lots and lots of people. So when the baby was born, he had to sleep in a manger instead of a bed. All the other mangers in Bethlehem held food for hungry animals to munch, but this manger held a tiny baby. He was God's special new king. The shepherds in the fields had such a surprise. It was quiet and dark, and the sheep were snoozing when whoosh, an angel popped into the sky. Now the sky was bright, and the shepherds were so, so scared. But the angel had a special message for them. Don't be afraid. I have wonderful good news for 
God's chosen king has been born tonight. He's going to rescue his people, just as God promised. He will be the rescuing king. And lots and lots of other excited angels join in to celebrate. The shepherds were really excited. They went rushing to see the new king. And there he was, lying in the manger, just as the angel said. But they weren't the only ones who heard the good news about the promised new king. Some wise men living far, far away had also been sent a message. It was quiet and dark, and they were watching the stars when whoosh, a new star popped into the sky. The star had a special message that the wise men knew what it meant. A very special king had been born. The king for all God's people. This child was the promised new king. The wise men were so excited, so they went on a long, long journey to see the new king. And there he was, just as the star had shown them. Everything God had promised came true. There are lots and lots of different kings in the world, but God sent the greatest king of all. He sent a new king, a rescuing king, a forever king. And do you know what the king's name was? His name was, Je hey kids, tell me what his name was. Jesus, that's right, his name was Jesus. Fulfill the law and 
time, these last few minutes together. Uh, we pray that you are you're going to teach us exactly what you want us to get tonight. And help us to worship. We're grateful for how we've been able to do that already. Look forward to what else you have in store. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I don't know uh, if you do Advent in your home or not, but uh, tonight is an exciting night for the Johnson House because tonight we light the Jesus candle, and uh, we're gonna do it here. And the odd thing is, at my house, is that we don't get so excited about lighting the candles; we get excited about whose turn it is to blow them out. But uh, um, so. Uh, and I don't know if you've been able to join us or been with us, but if you have been with us, you know that we've spent the last few weeks looking at the story of Jesus through the lens of Matthew, who wrote the book of Matthew that's in our Bible. And uh, what we've been able to see is we've seen the birth of Jesus, and we've seen this visit from the Magi or the wise men to Jesus. We've seen Herod, the king at the time's response to that, and we've learned a few things, but mainly what I think we've learned, I mean, one of the main things I think we've learned is that we want the parts of the Christmas story at times that make us feel good, but not necessarily the ones we need. We've looked at the parts of the Christmas story at times, and we we uh, we we love them. We uh, I, idealize these things, and we we even I jokingly said, uh, if you look at the nativity down there, Mary is is perfectly cleaned up and wearing really nice clothes and and kneeling, you know, and uh, I don't know about any of the women in this room that have given birth, but shortly after you give birth, I'm pretty sure that's not a posture that you would want to take, nor uh, would you be that cleaned up if you had just happened to give birth in a barn. Uh, so uh, we tend to make this story we, we add the elements to it that make us feel better, but they're not necessarily the reality of what really happened. So we've been looking at that. And tonight we want to look at, again, a pretty familiar passage. And maybe you're familiar with this. Maybe you actually heard Linus recite it to you this Christmas when you watched the Charlie Brown Christmas that the, my kids were doing this afternoon. And uh, it's always one of my favorite parts of the Charlie Brown Christmas is when Linus puts his blanket down and he recites the part that earlier in the little, uh, the little movie there, he says that there's no way I can memorize all these lines in such short notice. Uh, and then whenever it's time to recite them, he puts his blanket down and he stands up and recites exactly what we're going to look at tonight. It's from the Gospel of Luke in the New Testament, Luke 2, 8 through 20. I just want you to hear this, uh, and then we're just going to look at it real quick before we uh, head out for the night. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. 
when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And what I've realized about myself is I've heard that so many times. I grew up going to church, Christmas Eve service, every year. And that's a passage that seems to get read every year. A lot of times it was a, a kids program. If you grew up going to a Protestant church like I did, uh, you saw the kids come up front and they're all wearing their best clothes and they all have to read a separate part in it. Anyone familiar with what I'm talking about? You know, maybe you were part of those whenever you were a kid. And I got so familiar with the story that I didn't realize how unfamiliar I was with this text. That's the thing I want to look at tonight. First of all, I just want to say real quick. At the beginning it says, and in the same region, and in the same region. What that means is just simply this. Jesus was born in a town called Bethlehem. And these shepherds were raising their flocks on the hills outside of Bethlehem. So in the first part of chapter 2, you read about the birth of Jesus. And then it says, and in the same region. Essentially that says, Meanwhile, so at the same time that this is all happening in Bethlehem, Mary and Joseph are getting settled into this, this, this place where the animals live, that they're going to have their baby, and they know it's coming, and they know they have to prepare best they can, and a little bit of time they have left. At that same time, and in the same region, there are shepherds out in the field, and they're keeping watch over their flocks. Now, the part that I always missed for years and years and years was what we're going to look at. In verse 12, it says something amazing. It says that, uh, it says this to the shepherds. So they would have known what this meant. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And that just never really stood out to me is that that's significant as a part of the story. Swaddling cloths. If you flip back to the Old Testament, what happened was what was called the Passover lamb. The Jesus Storybook Bible, which is one of my favorites to read with our kids, talks about how the Passover got started. Now, I'm going to try my best to explain the Passover to you really quickly. Passover was this plague that came upon the Egyptian people because God's people were enslaved in Egypt. He wanted his people released from their slavery. The king at the time, which is called a pharaoh, wouldn't let them go. So God allowed these plagues to happen, whether the land was overrun by frogs or insects, the water that they went to drink was turned to blood. I mean, it's crazy stuff that happened. And at every turn, this guy, Pharaoh, would not let these people out of slavery, God's people. So the last plague was the one that God... I don't think God wanted to give. But God gave this one. And what it was, was that the oldest male in every household would die that night. And unless your house was covered by the blood of a lamb. Unless the lamb was 
was sacrificed and you took that blood and put it over the doorpost of your home and then the angel would pass by your home, pass over your home, therefore it was called the Passover. This became the Passover lamb and every year there was a festival and a feast to celebrate the Passover. To celebrate that the lamb died instead of us. As the Jesus storybook Bible says. The lamb died instead of us. Now this wasn't just any lamb. The lamb had to be pure, spotless, and without any blemish. There were specific rules put in place. And those rules had a purpose. Now as time went on, there had to be flocks that raised these kinds of lambs. That when the lamb was born, and they would inspect every baby lamb when it was born. And when it was born, they would look over it, they would inspect it, and they would check its joints, they would check its, its wool, and they would check its teeth, and it had to be without blemish. And if they found one without blemish, they would hand it, these Levitical shepherds who were raising sheep that would hopefully produce lambs that they could use for the sacrifice. They would take the lamb, and they would hand it to one of the shepherds, and they would say, wrap this one up. They would take strips of cloth, clean cloth, and they would wrap that baby lamb up so that it wouldn't get any blemishes on it, so that it would stay clean. And they would lay it aside until they could get it delivered to the priest. So when these, when these angels appear in the sky and say, you don't have to be afraid, I'm bringing you really good news. The lamb is going to die instead of you. And he's just been born. Right in that city over the hill. And you'll find him. And when you find him, you'll be laying aside, wrapped in cloth. This would have resonated with these shepherds. This would have resonated with them because they knew what they were raising. They were raising lambs for the sacrifice. So when the angel says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Unto you is born this day, today, in the city of David, that city right over the hill, right there, a Savior who is Christ the Lord, a rescuer, and this will be a sign for you. You will find him. He is set aside. He'll be wrapped in swaddling wrapped as a baby. Before that, what they didn't know was happening. In verse 7, Mary says, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. It says that on purpose. Her firstborn son. Because what was the plague? If you didn't have the blood on your doorpost, your firstborn son would be the one that would be taken from you. She gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and she laid him in a manger. I think I just pictured swaddling cloths because they didn't have any other things available to them. And maybe that's exactly why God allowed them to not have many other things available to them. But what happened was they took these swaddling cloths, and they wrapped that baby up. And it was probably a little bit larger than this. 
Jesus, the promised Savior, the promised rescuer, is not just some beautiful story that we tell to make ourselves feel good at Christmas. You see, what happened for the Israelite people when they woke in the morning, and the Egyptian people are weeping because they did not trust what God said to do. And because of that, they are mourning the loss of the oldest male child in the household. And the Israelites are rejoicing because God was faithful to what he said. And they rejoice by saying things like, the lamb has died instead of us. Now, here's what I do. I don't know about you, but I tend to want the parts of the story I like. In so doing, what I do is I unintentionally rob myself of the full, complete good news. Now, I'm not putting that on you. Maybe you don't do that. But I do. And here's what I've realized about myself. My entitlement doesn't negate God's holiness. God's holiness, God's perfection, cannot reside in the same place with sin. So wherever you stand tonight in your belief of who God is, what we know to be true in his word is that God, in his grace and in his mercy, created a world for us to enjoy. But the thing we were to enjoy the most is him. We were surrounded by beauty, and the thing that we were to enjoy the most was him. And the evil one comes in, the enemy, and he comes in and he convinces sin is better. He convinces us that sin is a better choice, that God's holding out on us, that God doesn't love you enough to tell you the whole truth. God doesn't want you to know the whole truth. God wants you to be oppressed and under his control because that's who he is. That's what the evil one said in the garden. Adam's confused. They hear this, and they're confused. That doesn't seem to be true of the God that we've walked in the garden with every night. And the evil one says, well, I'll tell you what. He told you, don't eat that fruit, because he knows that once you eat, you'll know what he knows. He's holding out on you. He doesn't want you to know what he knows. And God says, he's not telling you a complete lie. He's just not telling you the truth. You eat that fruit, you will know what sin is. And sin keeps you separate from holiness. And God says, listen, you're going to communicate to me that you love me. Just by hearing this one thing, I'm going to put this tree in the garden. And if you don't eat from that fruit, you'll know, I will know, that you trust me and that you love me. It's like telling your kid not to touch a hot stove. It's not good for you to touch a hot stove. I know that. If you touch a hot stove, there will be consequences for that. And Satan comes in and says, no, no, no. They don't want you to touch the stove because you will experience such heat and intensity like you've never felt in your entire life. And you'll love it. It'll be amazing. Just touch the stove. You'll see your parents are lying to you. And we touch the stove. And mom and dad have to 
We'll go out and get us to the ER to take care of our first cancer. Not that that's happened in my home before. It has, right, Isaiah? <laughs> Not recently. It's done it. Here's the beauty of this Christmas story, folks. And this is the thing that's just intriguing me to my core. I want these parts of the story that I can celebrate and I can put pictures in my house and I can put the nativities up and I can feel good. Gosh, isn't that what Christmas is about? Just me feeling good. And the answer to that is a resounding yes. But not good on your own terms. True goodness. He ate the fruit because he didn't believe God was telling us the truth. We spent the rest of this book fixing a problem that we created. Promises over and over again. I will send a redeemer. I will send someone. There's all kinds of laws in the Old Testament, and if you break just one of them, it's like you're guilty of breaking all of them. So if you aren't holy, you can't come before a holy God. So the priest would take your sin in a symbolic gesture, and they'd lay it, their hands, on the pure spotless lamb, and that would be a symbolic gesture that your sins got transferred over. They didn't really, but it was a symbolic <coughs> gesture, and the lamb would die in place of the people who actually committed the sins. So fast forward to this little hillside outside of a town called Bethlehem. They say, you will find him wrapped up in swaddling cloths. Here's the really good news. That same Jesus, the one who came as a baby that was pure God, full God, fully man, lived a whole life here, 33 years here on earth, and never once, never once broke any of those laws, never once sinned against God. He believed God at every turn. None of us could ever do that for ourselves. None of us. In the book of Romans, there's this verse that says, while we were still sinners, while we were still enemies of God, while we were still those who were in darkness, believing that God either doesn't exist or he doesn't love me or doesn't care for me, he's not telling us the full truth, while we were still in that place, God looked upon us with love and he sent his son, Jesus. In John 3.16, it says that God loved the whole world, loved us so much that he sent his one and only son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting and eternal life. That's really good news. Jesus lived this perfect life and it starts right there in a manger. The promise delivered. The promise of the ages, this whole Old Testament, this little bowl of promises that God's going to make right what we made wrong. And Jesus, wrapped in swaddling cloths, the pure Passover lamb, the one that will make it right. Christmas is all about God delivering on a promise. Promise fulfilled. It's 
think the angels already said. They said, this is good news of great joy. There's a song that we're going to play on the screen. I just want you to see the words and hear the words. It's called Wrap This One Up. And I think it just puts all this together. And then we'll just have some quick closing thoughts. We'll sing a song. We'll light some candles. And we'll just prepare our hearts to just the beauty of Christmas. Go ahead and play that.
Now I take that out of the story that we just heard. Got started. One small light and the shepherd go in and they see the baby and then they go and they tell the story and they tell the, tell the story and the story keeps spreading and spreading and spreading until the room's full of light. Before you leave tonight, I want to encourage you to take a piece of, of cloth with you just to remember the Christmas story is a whole lot bigger than sometimes we allow it to be. I pray that this year is different for all of us. We can really come and adore him to remember that he was wrapped up for us. That's really good news. Maybe you can join me as we sing. Oh, come all you faithful. We're going to sing the first verse in the pre-chorus we just used. I believe the Lord will be on the screen. Oh,
itself. And not be fabricated by anything we can come up with on our own. Thank you for those who came tonight. That nothing happens by accident. We're grateful for those who came. We're grateful for the gift it is to have your word. I pray that tonight there's been one. For our hearts, one step closer to receiving and living out of that gracious gift your son came to give us through his life, his death, his burial, and resurrection. We celebrate the promised delivery through a baby at Christmas. Thank you for each one here. And may we go with your grace and your mercy and joy as we step into whatever it is you've predicted that you think has in store for us. I, I had it all the way down to negative infinity. That's a lie, apparently. <laughs> it is a lie. It wanted to play anyways.